G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. Pastor and author Dr. Michael Youssef is passionately proclaiming uncompromising truth on each episode of Leading the Way. Think back to the prayers you've whispered along life's journey. What would have happened if all had been answered like you'd wanted? Today, Dr. Yusuf reminds you that God's plans are sometimes different, but always better than your plans, even when God's answer may be delayed or scary. As we enter the unknown journey through 2023, listen with me to Dr. Michael Yusuf on today's Leading the Way as he looks at the prayer of Habakkuk. Everywhere I go, people are praying for revival. Don't stop. Don't stop. Some see revival, or actually more accurately, a Holy Spirit awakening that is needed because our world has been sliding into moral abyss. They're praying for a revival because they feel that our culture is becoming darker and darker. They pray for revival because they see society moving down a slippery slope of self-destruction. Question, why hasn't God answered our prayer? Well, recently I have been meditating in the Scripture about a man who was not only praying for a revival in his time, he was actually demanding a revival from God. Far from answering his prayer for a revival, far from even saying to Habakkuk, I've heard your prayer for a revival, God was planning a calamity. Let me tell you, about the very little we know about Habakkuk. I mean, we know so little about this guy, prophet of God, except that he lived during the reign of King Jehoiakim. That's the time immediately before the Babylonians coming in and ransacking Israel and taking people captives into Babylon. Three chapters in that book. And basically, it's a dialogue between Habakkuk and the Lord. He's going back and forth. He's talking to the Lord. In the beginning of his dialogue, Habakkuk is very condescending. In verse 2 of chapter 1, how long am I going to wait? Well, you know, how long are you going to keep me waiting, God? Why don't you do this? (laughs) Why are you not listening to me? In fact, Habakkuk was baffled by God's answer. (laughs) He was baffled demanding that God must obey him and do what he tells him. Listen to what God said in verse 5 and 6. Oh, Habakkuk, I'm going to do some things that you would not believe if I told you. Ooh, goody! He's going to do far more exceedingly abundantly than what I'm asking for. Wrong. Wrong. Not a chance. It was not what Habakkuk is asking for. God said, if it is a revival you are praying for, 
you're going to have to wait. If it is a certain blessing that you are asking for, you have to wait. What is God saying? What is God saying? Listen to me. God was going to answer Habakkuk's prayer, but not in the way he's expecting it, and not in the time that Habakkuk is demanding it. What is God saying? God is saying, I heard your prayer. I will respond to you, please, but not yet. Not yet. Right now, I'm raising a pagan and brutal people. I'm raising bloodthirsty people. I'm raising the Babylonians, and they're going to come, and they will take Israel into exile in Babylon. (laughs) Please hear me right. I have a hunch. It's just a hunch. That when Habakkuk heard those words from the Lord, (laughs) he probably said, what have I done? What have I done? I did not pray that. I didn't pray that my people be conquered and carried into foreign land. That is not what I prayed for. How can a merciful God do this to His people? How can a loving God allow wicked people to punish His own people? Second chapter, Habakkuk's response, second complaint. But God said to him, oh, by the way, before you forget, I want you to write it down. Verse 2, 2, 2. <laughs> write this revelation. Write it down. Write down the prophecy. I don't want to ever be forgotten because I have people in the 21st century, they need to read this. <laughs> <laughs> what is it? Oh, there is an impending doom. Oh, God, but why? Because my people have been unfaithful to me for over 200 years. And I've been speaking to them by prophet and a prophet and other prophets because my people have compromised my truth, because my people have become idolaters, because my people need to repent and turn to me once again. And I can't get their attention. I've done everything possible to get their attention. I can't get their attention. Oh, but there's some good news, some good news. In this word, the Lord gave Habakkuk some good news. Not everyone in Israel will be destroyed or carried into exile. Don't miss this. Don't miss this. Not everyone. So in chapter 2, verse 4, the righteous will live by faith. Let's say that together. Question. What is God saying to the faithful remnant? The faithful remnant. Let me repeat that a third time. The faithful remnant in Israel. Here's what God is saying. No matter how dark it gets, no matter how severe the pain, no matter how difficult the road ahead, no matter how many challenges you may face, no matter what a future brings, no matter what suffering lies ahead, no matter what the economy does, no matter what politicians foolishly do or don't do, I am not only in control of history, but I'm the watcher over my faithful people. This is crucial. Don't miss it. I believe the Lord wants all of His faithful people. I believe with all my heart. This is not a word from Michael. It's a word from the Word of God. God wants all His faithful people to hear 
and heed His Word. When we cry to God, God, these evil and wicked people appearing to be succeeding. Oh Lord, the foundation structure of society is crumbling. Oh God, how long must we cry out for help? God, do you care about the blood shedding of millions of babies in their mother's womb? God, do you care about the indoctrination in immorality in our schools? God, do you care about the wicked prospering? God's answer to Habakkuk of old is for us. Here's what God is basically saying. You are asking the wrong question. You're asking the wrong questions. I have asked those words that came out of my mouth when I pray. So I'm not pointing finger. I'm telling you what I have prayed. Lord, what are the right questions? The right question is to ask yourself. Not God, yourself. What is God saying to us? What is God teaching us? Here it is. Is there something in my own life that I need to deal with? Is there sin of apathy in my life that I need to repent of? Do I need to grow my faith in my walk with the Lord? Do I need to mature in my knowledge of the Word of God and the character of God and the nature of God? Is there something I need to do? Instead of blaming God, you need to start praising God. In chapter 3, Lord, I've heard of your fame. I stand in awe of your deeds. Lord, repeat them in our day. In our time, make them known. And please, in wrath, remember mercy. Beloved, Habakkuk is saying, in effect, in the past you did great things. Do them again. Please understand, please understand, it is never wrong to pray for revival. It is never wrong to pray for revival. I'm encouraged by people praying for revival. So the question is, did God want Israel to have a revival? Absolutely. Does God want us to have a revival? Without a question, without a question, without a question. Then why the delay answer? To Habakkuk's prayer for revival, and to our prayer, that question really puzzled Habakkuk. It puzzled him. Why is our prayer for revival not being answered? And the reason for Habakkuk's puzzlement is ours. My people have demoted me. What? My people have demoted me. Look at the average evangelical church. I'm not talking about online churches. I'm talking about evangelical churches today. Pastors are falling like flies. Michael, how in the world I can demote God? How in the world I can abandon God? First of all, let me go back to the book of Habakkuk, okay? During that time, they viewed the God of heaven and earth, Yahweh, the God who did all these great things in the past, they viewed him as the chief deity in a pantheon of many deities. In Habakkuk's day, the people of God 
The mode got just like our generation does. They said, as we say, see how we worship God on a regular basis? We go to church. I read the Bible. Sure. But what is really preoccupying your mind and your thought and your time and your energy 24-7? God, first and foremost, yes, absolutely. God is my number one priority. That would be like a husband who would be saying to his wife, Oh, I have not abandoned you. I've not abandoned you. I've never betrayed you. Sure, I have all these other girlfriends. (laughs) But you're the one. I married you. I love you. I think this is an apt analogy because the Bible actually relates idolatry to spiritual adultery. Read the book of Hosea. I want to tell you three things that Habakkuk learned that they stand out. Three things. Humility, adoration, concentration, or focus. Humility, adoration, and concentration. You see, between chapter 1 and chapter 3, Habakkuk did 180 degrees. He did a 180-degree turn. He really did. Between chapter 1 and chapter 3, don't miss it, because something drastic happen in the life of God's man Habakkuk between chapter 1 and chapter 3. He started by saying, God, where are you? Why are you not answering me? Why are you not answering my prayer? How long am I going to keep on waiting? What happened? Something wonderful happened. And I pray to God will happen to all of us. I know. I pray to God that will happen to me. He learned to shift his mind from all of the problems and focus on the glory of God. Can I get an amen? Amen. He took his eyes, because what happened, Habakkuk was looking at God through the wrong end of the telescope. Have you ever done that? He turned the telescope around, and he was looking at the wrong end. And God said, turn it the right way. (laughs) You're looking at the wrong end of the telescope. What you see when you look at the wrong end of the telescope to God, you're going to see God to be unfair, unjust, uncaring. But once you stop listening to all the bad news on cable television, once you take your eyes off of who's in and who's out, once you take your eyes off who is doing what and who is not doing what, Once you fix your eyes squarely on the righteousness and the majesty of God, once you focus on the glory of God, everything else faded away into insignificance. How we approach God, I'm going to repeat this, how we approach God will determine the effectiveness of our prayer. I'm going to repeat this. How we approach God will determine the effectiveness of our prayer. So it's humility, not entitlement that God responds to. Secondly, adoration. The second feature of the effectiveness prayer of Habakkuk that he learned is adoration. Adoration is the expression of our love for the Lord in prayer. Let me ask you this. How many times have you just spent time in the presence of God asking for another blessed thing? asking nothing, just pouring your love on Him, 
pouring your love on him. Throughout chapter 3, I cannot help but feel the emotion of adoration and awe of Habakkuk. I was not in the early part. Adoration of God's righteousness, God's power, God's past deliverance, God's glory, and what God has done for His people. Adoration and awe of God's past deeds. Adoration and awe of His glory and everlasting nature. Adoration and awe of His power that eclipses the sun and the moon. There can be no effective prayer without understanding who God really is. It's not just someone you go to every time you need something. And what it means to pray to Him, to pray to the God of the universe. Most Christians, honestly, in our West anyway, have such superficial knowledge of who God is. Oh, they know all the right doctrine, they know the Trinity, they know the cross, they know all that. But they expect Him to do what they want Him to do when they ask Him to do it. My beloved friends, listen to me. To enter into the very heart of God is to open your heart to Him and pour out your love for Him and recognize His worth. His worth, in fact, the word worship comes from worship in the Latin, showing God His worth. What is He worth to you? When we delight ourselves in the Lord, we become overwhelmed. Humility, adoration, and thirdly, focus or concentration. Concentration and focus on what God loves, on what God loves. Habakkuk was asking God to send the revival and questioning why he's not doing this. But in reality, God is saying, Habakkuk, for 200 years, I've been pleading with my people. Read Hosea, read Isaiah, read Jeremiah, read read the prophets. Again and again and again pleading with his people to repent and turn to him, that they would not. They stubbornly refuse. And therefore, they will not receive a revival but judgment. Oh, my goodness, that's like a knife in my heart. (laughs) I don't want judgment, do you? No, none of us do. Habakkuk didn't want judgment. He wants a revival. I do too. I want a revival, not judgment. What's revival? Well, revival means to make something alive. Uh, Revive something is to make it alive after being dead. When the spiritually dead become alive through the power of the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit alone, that is a true revival. And that's what happened here. Once Habakkuk took his eyes off of the spiritual problem that plaguing the nation, that he thought a revival can come and take care of this and solve the problems, whether it be our economic problems or our social problems, our moral problems, and he focused on the glory of God, he saw even the Babylonian exile to be God's plan for a revival. Because revival happened after the exile, remember, with Nehemiah and Ezra, and a revival came in Israel. History has shown us again and again. Study history. Before the Protestant Reformation in the 1500s, the church 
was dark and dead. In fact, that's what called the dark ages. And when God raised Martin Luther and he started reading the Scripture and he read Habakkuk 2.4, the righteous shall live by faith, God put in motion and ignited the revival that started in the Reformation and that took us from the dark ages to civilization. Ah, oh, but not before a whole lot of pain. <laughs> I wish it wasn't, but it was. A lot of pain. Fast forward 200 years in America, society was steeped in spiritual darkness. Sexual immorality was rampant. The family was broken down. And God raised a handful of believers who sought the glory of God. They sought the majesty of God. And that was paramount, not the social ills, not the moral problems, but the glory of God more than anything else. And God raised Jonathan Edwards and did the first great awakening in America, but not before a whole lot of pain. In England itself, things were so bad it was so bad, so much so that kids did not know who their fathers were. But God moved in the heart of Whitfield and the two Wesley brothers who sought the glory of God first and foremost. And God used these three to transform England, but not before a whole lot of pain. Similar things were happening in 1850, and God raised up a businessman by the name of Jeremiah Lamphere who sought the glory of God above all else. And God again changed America, but not before a whole lot of pain. And so, my beloved friends, wanting a revival to solve our nation's moral troubles is very different from wanting a revival for the glory of God. Can you see the difference? Some of you probably say, well, what difference does it make? Yes, it does make a whole lot of difference. You see, our motives makes the difference. Do you want to see Jesus glorified? Do you want to see Jesus glorified? Do you want to see the glory of God? Or do you just want to solve some of the problems we have? Bad as they are. You see, when God is glorified, the problems will take care of itself. So don't put the cart before the horse. It's the glory of God. It's the glory of God. It's the glory of God. Not our moral problems. Habakkuk last word says, look, if if things are so bad that there's no food, there's no, I mean, that's their economy, basically, the agricultural economy. So he's naming all the trees and all the sheep and and animals and, and, and the economy. He said, even though it's collapsing, I'm still gonna trust you. I'm still gonna trust you. Because you said, the righteous shall live by faith. Let me hear you say it. You're listening to Leading the Way with Dr. Michael Youssef. Get questions answered about Jesus and how to live by faith when you visit ltw.org slash Jesus. Well, that's all for this episode. But plan to listen to the next Leading the Way with pastor, author, and international Bible teacher, Dr. Michael Youssef. taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.